Hello and a warm welcome. I'm Armin Trost, professor at the Furtwangen University in Germany. And this is my series on human resources strategies, a real master course for advanced HR students, professionals and executives. This series is available on YouTube and on all podcatchers like iTunes or Spotify. All slides that support this series are available on my website. For more information, please read the description to this YouTube or podcast. I'd also like to refer to my book, Human Resources Strategies, available at most online bookstores. So, again, thanks for listening Have fun and gain valuable insights into the fascinating world of HR strategies. Hello and welcome back. This episode is about knowledge management. And it's actually the last episode around learning And it's related to learning. Um, and what I would like to do in this particular episode is I would like to guide you through a process that I have proposed many, many times now, which became a mantra, always starting with the problem, then thinking about the context, then thinking about the solution and strategy, and then think about the actual operational design. And this is what we're going to do now with this particular topic, knowledge management. Could be a key topic in your organization. Right, So, let's start with a problem. And the question is, what's the problem of not managing knowledge? What's the problem? So, when you think about knowledge management, you hopefully want to solve a problem. <laughs> Otherwise, you won't think about this. So, what's the problem? And to start with one point first... I ask this very often uh, in, in the seminars, for instance, or I ask organizations that think about knowledge management, and I ask, hey, what's the problem? What? So, and, and very often I get the answer, our problem is that we do not have a knowledge management. I would say, no, this is not your problem. I mean, not having knowledge management system is not a problem. In the first place, this is a financial saving. To... to To not having something is not a problem per se, right? It's, it's an advantage because everything you do um, requires resources, time in, 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 in terms of time, financial, uh, uh, headcount, whatever. So not having a knowledge management system, well, that's cool, right? Maybe you don't need one. So what's the real problem? And if you have a closer look at the problems, you, you find... Typical answers. Even you do it carefully. So sometimes you hear something like this. 30% of key experts in our organization will retire in the next five years. Right? We will lose significant and critical expertise. I mean, it could be that, especially in key functions, I mean, those functions that really make the difference for the competitive advantage of your organization, you better have your experts. And you not only have the experts, you have the expertise, right? And in a, in a later episode, we're going to talk about expert career. So that will address this, this topic in particular. But, but I mean, that's the problem. And we know that knowledge is something that is between the ears, as we used to say. It's, not, it's much more than just information. Knowledge is much more than just data. 
Yeah? Knowledge is something active. Knowledge is something that you can apply in a given problem. And so we assume that if people leave the organization, they will take their knowledge with them. So you lose it, right? I mean, whenever somebody uh, quits the job, goes to the competitor, he or she will take the knowledge with him or her, right? If somebody dies, if somebody retires, well, you lose knowledge, and 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 you can you can calculate the effect of this. By the way, I mean you can think about okay, how many people, how many key experts will leave in the upcoming few years, or something like this. We constantly reinvent the wheel in different places within our organization, and our customers pay for it. I mean. You know this. That happens over and over over again. Think about a globally operating consulting firm. I mean, you might have offices all around the world, different practices or, or how, however you structure your, your consulting firm. And these thousands of consultants, they work on various projects. And, of course, these different consultants, they are faced with, with similar problems. I do not say that these problems are all the same. They, they are probably unique to a certain extent but but uh, and then consultants start thinking about solutions approaches concepts uh, they create powerpoint slides and then all the things you know and and if the con if the con consultants in the different offices around the world do not speak to each other they reinvent the wheel over and over and over again and you might say okay the customer pays for it but i mean you, you You could add value in different ways, right? Um, and, that, and that's a real trouble. It takes too much time to build up relevant expertise in a given project. Why, the expertise is already there. <laughs> you know? That, that, that's that's, that's, that's uh, um, pretty similar to, to the earlier problem. It takes too long. Customers want solutions soon. Yeah. We fall into the same traps over and over again and do not learn from each other's mistakes and successes. I mean, let's think about positive things. Somebody did something incredibly well in a project. Somebody really found a great solution for something. Somebody has invented a wonderful best practice. And I mean... Why Why don't you make sure that the others can benefit from this learning? And the same is with the mistakes. You did something wrong. I mean, we're going to talk about different approaches, but, but why not having a failure database? <laughs> I mean, in, uh, in, in hospitals, for instance, you very often have something like this. Sometimes, depending on the countries, uh, uh, hospitals have to have something like this. They have to document their mistakes. And not only the mistakes, but they all also have to document how did it came to that mistake? What was the reason, the driver for this mistake? And, and how, what did you learn from this? Right? So that the same mistake does not happen again. And whenever you, whenever you, uh, whenever you manage mistakes, let's put it that way, then you manage knowledge. Right? Yeah. Colleagues do not learn from other colleagues with whom they do not directly collaborate. I mean, that's a very daily thing. Uh, of course, people talk to each other. Of course, at the water cooler or in uh, formal meetings, people talk to each other and they share experiences. Uh, 
But, but what happens if, if, if you do not directly work with these colleagues? I mean, you, you're not in your company, you not only have your 10, 20, or maybe 50 colleagues to directly work with, there might be thousands of colleagues. And all those colleagues, they have knowledge. And, and uh, the probability is high that the knowledge you need in a particular moment is available in the organization somewhere. But you don't know where. You don't know who has the knowledge. Where is the knowledge? <laughs> and then, and that's, that's a problem in the sense that, that you miss, you miss uh, important opportunity. So that could go on and on and on, but I really would encourage any company dealing with knowledge management to think about the problems first. What is the problem? Right? And when you look at all these different problems companies are articulating related to knowledge management, then you find three different types of, of, of challenges. Really. And it all comes down to these three. One is about knowledge retention. You want to make sure that the knowledge you have in your organization stays in the organization, that you don't lose knowledge because people quitting, dying, getting sick, or retiring, or whatever. And the other thing is knowledge identification. You want to know who in the company has the knowledge I need in a particular moment or we need in a particular moment. Where is the knowledge? How can you solve that problem, right? And then it's the third thing about knowledge transfer. How can we make sure that the knowledge who somebody that somebody has will be transferred to another person or to another team? How can you make uh, this sure? These are basically the three challenges of knowledge management knowledge retention knowledge identification knowledge transfer and that's real <laughs> you know it, this is not textbook this is real 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 hr the, the, the problem exists <laughs> and then it requires solutions okay but Before we think of the solution, now you think about the context. And I don't want to go too deep into this again. I mean, I just always can refer to the episodes six and seven um, about the context. Are you a more hierarchical organization or are you more a connected organization? And for sure, when you're a very connected organization where it's absolutely clear that the people think from left to right in a more horizontal way, uh, you might come up with a different solution. And when you have a very hierarchical organization where you primarily think vertically, yeah, top down, bottom up, right? So to, to think about knowledge management now in a very practical way, I would propose the following. And I mean, it's serious, really. Uh, if, if I would be asked by any HR director to, to, to visit him or her, have a workshop, let's say, about knowledge management to, to help them to, to, to find the right approach. I, I, I would do exactly this. In the morning, we would talk about the problem and then we would think about the context. And then I would come up with something that I would always do, as I, as I already indicated in the last episodes regarding to the different other uh, projects, uh, topics. I would outline strategic dimensions, right? The strategic dimensions. Now we move to the so-called third level. Third level, the strategic alignment of what we actually are doing. And different from the earlier episodes, I would like to show you this. I would like to show you the strategic statements incomplete. It's simple for knowledge management because here we only have three dimensions. 
Uh, in other related to other topics, we sometimes had seven dimensions. You will see it in my book, uh, and in the earlier episodes, I picked out one or two or so. Yeah. So I would like to show you all strategic dimensions related to knowledge management. I would like to go through them stepwise. Okay. That's the only thing I would like to do in this episode. So let's look at the first dimension. The first dimension relates to what I would name scope. The scope of knowledge management. And here's the first strategic statement. Knowledge management concentrates on as few strategically important key areas or functions as possible. It is the only place that is worth the effort. So what does that mean? You say, well, knowledge management is not something that we want to roll out for the entire organization. It's not something that will affect all employees in the organization. It's it's not even something that affects all functions. It's it's something that we want to focus uh, as 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 tight as possible. For instance, you say knowledge management is something that we only need in R and D because R and D is a key function, and here knowledge management is facing this highest relevance. I mean, that could be an idea. Or you say, no, 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 no. Knowledge management is something that will affect the entire organization. I mean, really everything. So so how is it? What is the scope? So the, the opposite uh, strategic statement would be, we regard knowledge management as a comprehensive initiative, which is more or less relevant for all employees of the company. So that would be the first question. Yeah? Focused approach? or more uh, a broad approach. Okay. Now, the second dimension. It's, again, a strategic decision you need to do. And that refers to what I name the general approach. And here we differentiate between two different approaches. Let me start with the first one. It's what I name the collect approach. And here's the statement. In order to make knowledge permanently available to others and to become independent of individuals, knowledge must be documented centrally. Right? That is already with an eye to a solution, I see. Right? And and I mean how does that work? It's a it's a fundamental philosophy of knowledge management that, that we have seen over and over again in the last few, I would say decades. I would even say that in the beginning of knowledge management, that was the approach we, we primarily thought of. Right? And how does that work? It's pretty simple. So let's always assume there is somebody in the organization possessing knowledge, okay? the knower. <laughs> And there is another person who needs knowledge. Right? So let's, let's say the, these two persons. Okay. The knower, the one possessing knowledge, is encouraged to document knowledge in a knowledge database. Okay? I mean, that's simple. You tell the people, hey, you know something. So, please, yeah, document your knowledge in a central database. Okay? And many companies are doing this. Uh, also, some leading consulting firms doing something like this. They encourage their consultants, say, whenever you, do, whenever you did something really cool in your, in, in your projects, please leave your trace. Here's the platform. Share it. Talk about it. Present your slides, your, your, your documents, your, your whatever, so that it will be available to all the others. So 
the core component of the collect approach is a knowledge database where you collect knowledge or where at least I would need to be more precise where you transfer your knowledge into a readable uh, permanent uh, piece of document or whatever okay that's the that's the knower's part the one who possesses the knowledge what is the the one doing who needs the knowledge this person will search for knowledge in the knowledge database i mean you can imagine this yeah goes to the knowledge database and just type in some key terms oh and then he or she will find some sources yeah I mean, that's like let's like in a in a in a literature database in a online online um database for let's say academic journals and sources i mean we all know this we go there we 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 search uh, we have some uh, simple or advanced search and then we are looking for documents and then you find documents you find content and then uh, the knowledge will be transferred to the one looking for the knowledge uh, by him or her simply reading it <laughs> that's That's the simple idea. Somebody puts the knowledge in database and the others read it. And by doing this, knowledge will be permanently stored somewhere. And when the knower is leaving the organization, the knowledge will stay in the database because that database belongs to the company. And the transfer of the knowledge happens through reading. <laughs> and this is how science always worked, right? So this is the collect approach. Okay, now here comes the connect approach. The transfer of knowledge takes place through interpersonal, personal and problem-related exchange. So what does that mean? So let's think about the same, the same situation, okay? You have the knower and you have the one needing the knowledge. Okay, what is the knower doing? He or she will not try to document all the knowledge in a central knowledge database. He or she will just write things like blogs or will maintain a personal profile indicating in which fields he or she has particular expertise. It's like a yellow page. Okay? You do not document your knowledge. You just indicate your knowledge. You tell, hey, I'm an expert in labor law. <laughs> So, hey, if there is anybody around here needing some expertise in labor law, here I am. <laughs> so, yeah, you just you you, you just uh, uh, make yourself visible in a today we would say in a maybe enterprise social network. Must not be enterprise social network. Could be anything else, but but an internal kind of LinkedIn or or Facebook or or however, uh, internal platform where you have your profile and where you indicate who you are and you you document things. You show the internal world. Look, this is what I did. This is where I succeeded. This were my projects, and uh, here are some experience. So you write blogs and things, right? Huh? And and the and the most minimal version really is the yellow page. In the yellow page, you do not document any content. You just indicate your expertise. Okay. So on the other side, there is the person looking for knowledge, right? So and he or she uh, will do what? He or she will just go to the enterprise social network, logs in, uh, and then 
is not searching for expertise, but searching for experts. Right? He, he or she does not expect to find the knowledge there, but just the people. You're looking for people, not for content. So once you found an expert, you found this expert in labor law, say, oh, there's John who knows something about labor law. How does the knowledge of this expert, how will that be transferred to the one needing the knowledge? Simply by exchange, by talking, picking up the phone, having a Skype uh, meeting. So the one needing the knowledge will contact uh, the expert saying, Hey expert, I heard, I saw you know something about something. Can we talk? Here is my problem. What would you do? Right? Personal exchange. So, in this particular approach, you do not collect knowledge in a database. You connect people. You connect people. It's more about social networks. Okay? Of course you can do both. Of course you can do both. Yeah, of course you can. But, you see, this is a, this is a strategic decision. Do you want to either go towards the collect approach or towards the connect approach? Hmm. Well, that's, that's the question. And, you know, uh, my hypothesis is if your context is more about hierarchy, stability, vertical thinking, and so, you probably will rather go for the collect approach. <laughs> But if... Lateral thinking, networks, agility, self-regulation, autonomy, uh, managers who act like coaches, partners, enablers. If you work in such a more agile environment, you probably will go for the connect approach. So you see, again, whether you go into the one direction or the other direction will heavily depend on the context. I have seen organizations that are very, very, very vertical, very much uh, uh, hierarchical very much about stability and they try to implement a connect approach something like an enterprise social networks and they completely failed completely yeah. i mean I, why why is that uh, i mean that that would be a different episode but but really think about the people what is their natural thinking what are their beliefs what are their assumptions now we talk about culture a bit right i mean it It happens very often in a hierarchical organization that here is an employee writing things into an enterprise social network, blogs, sharing knowledge, comment on ideas of others. And then the boss comes across. Say, hey, what are you doing? Well, I share my knowledge. I mean, that's cool, you know, knowledge management, you know. And then the boss will say, well, you share your knowledge? You, you comment on the ideas of others? Huh? Really? Do you have time left? Are you, not, are you not challenged enough? Are you bored so that you have time for sharing knowledge? I mean, really? I, I think I have to give you some more responsibilities so that you don't have enough time to share knowledge. I mean, sharing knowledge... I can't remember that this is, this, is, this is written in your job description. So, you see, 
bosses very often don't want that employees share knowledge. So, and it's a matter of the context, really. Connect versus collect. And here is the third and the last strategic dimension that I see related to uh, knowledge management. And that relates to motivation. Why should the people share knowledge? Right? Document knowledge. Why should they do this? And some companies would say the following. Employees have a duty to share knowledge and to take care of relevant knowledge. This is monitored and controlled from a central location. <laughs> See, a very hierarchical approach, by the way. You tell the people, you share knowledge. Why? Because we say so. It's your damn job. And sometimes, even when it comes to, to promotion, for instance, yeah, you look at a candidate, John, say, hey, John, you want to become a leader? Okay, so let's have a look at your at the, in, in, in the database. Oh, you have never shared knowledge in the last few months. Why should you become a leader when you never share knowledge? And if you don't have followers, you know, listen to Peter Trucker. A leader is somebody who has followers. You don't have followers, so you are not a leader. <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is tracked. And people have an extrinsic motivation to share knowledge. They are forced to do so. I mean, really, in some in some companies that that really work. I I heard about a, a, a funny a funny story of a friend of mine. He worked with an um, with the air force, yeah, military, and they. Um, it, it was really about the the pilots who who fly this this uh, fighters and uh, and they wanted to implement the knowledge management which makes absolutely sense so that they share their knowledge their experience and, and whatever because i mean they really deal with complex things and so they have implemented a knowledge management system and the pilots they 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 were now encouraged to to share their knowledge but nobody did <laughs> they implemented that thing yeah and then was complete silence nobody shared anything <laughs> And then they thought, okay, how can we change this? And they came up with a very simple idea. Hey, I mean, this is military. And if you want the people to do something, they really have to get an order. <laughs> um, and then the general probably uh, said, so fighters, pilots, share knowledge. And all the fighters, yes, sir. And then they start sharing knowledge. It was an order. You have to. It's part of your job. It's described. This is something you were paid for. Or you say the opposite. Employees are empowered to share knowledge and take care of relevant knowledge. There are interpersonal incentives for this. What does that mean? Sharing knowledge is something that refers to, in psychology, you would name it reciprocity. You give and take. Yeah, You give and take. Like the Beatles were saying, yeah? the love you take is equal to the love you make. If you share knowledge, you get something back. And this is a kind of incentive, right? It's a kind of incentive. Like we find in most social media. You do something and you get the likes. And you're, you're looking for likes. You're working hard for getting likes. And a like is a social incentive, right? So, so you, you, you let this knowledge sharing thing... Uh, uh, move by itself and you rely on the social dynamic so that the people uh, encourage themselves. That This is a different uh, strategy. Okay? So, these are the three things. What is the scope? What is the... Is it more focused or is it more general? 
What is your approach? Is it more about collect or about connect? What is the motivation? Is it about more uh, commitment, duty, uh, order, or is it more about empowerment and incentives? What is your strategy? So that would be the workshop I would run with your organization when we would have one half day or one day time to think about knowledge management, to clarify all these things. And once you got these things clear, then you can move on and say, okay, so now let's think about how we do it in a very operational way. Yeah? Which system, which platform, which rules, which whatever. Okay? So... That's it about knowledge management. And next time, we're going to start with an amazing topic. And the next time, we're going to start talking about talent management. So, look forward to this. And uh, again, thanks for listening and goodbye.